welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams. Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. No, that's it. That's, I mean... That's the that's tweet? All, I mean, that is the tweet. <laughs> I, I am the James Caan of, of the podcast, <laughs> so that's the tweet. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Oh, my God. Did you listen to him on Marin? He was on Marin recently? He was on Marin recently, yeah. I don't listen to Marin. I know that's... I don't know if that's... Marin's kind of like... He doesn't get himself sometimes, and it's kind of funny to see... I don't know. It's He's not that bad of an interviewer, so it's like, you know. <laughs> what did what, what did um, Khan talk about? What is he What is he even doing? Oh, you know, he's, he's just... He's just evolved into a grumpy old man uh, recently, and he's just... They just went over his career, and he's. he's what made him just um, be like? I guess I got to go on Marin. Like, is he was he like? I, I don't. Did I can't remember if he had something to promote. Yeah, I think he, I think he wrote a book, but God. yeah, it was funny. To, like, he can get anybody at this point. It's funny. It is crazy how quickly we got from Greta Gerwig to James Caan. <laughs> well, I mean, you you kind of like. I did that. The, no, I did that. that. I'm yeah, I'm that, that I'm idea. the guilty party. Lock me up. You know, put me in jail. <laughs> I did it. That was it. Was me, but it's still crazy that we did it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think this this movie is sort of the the perfect encapsulation of of what we come to expect from the Greta Gerwig person, personality. I mean, and it's even better as a sister companion piece to uh, Princess. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's it. I oh, think yeah? that's a podcast. I don't. I don't <laughs> even right, think well, we need to introduce our guest. I think we're um, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I think we're this good. Is it. Um, we're actually going to end the show rules. entirely, uh, permanently. Yes, um, this is the last episode. Yeah, this is the last one. Carrie Corgan is here. Uh, brought with us Mistress America. How are you? Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, so you brought with us Mistress America today. And before we get into that, we would love to know, what was the movie that you first got you into film? Oh my gosh. Um... Doesn't the have to be just one movie. movie. It could just be experience. Could be just it could a be funny year stories. of your life. Yeah, yeah just you the can make something yeah. up. Yeah. Oh God, um, no! I think like the I think the movie that first got me into film. I don't know because I, I I know I have like a moment that was really like the first time I realized that I love movies, but not as like I want to do that or like I really appreciate that. I remember I was. Um, at a babysitter's house and she was this older woman this older like scottish woman in her 60s she wouldn't let us watch television um wouldn't let us watch like most movies like only kind of i was at her house every single day so like i kind of grew up this at this woman's house and um i kind of like credit her for why my tastes are so like old lady, <laughs> um, <laughs> much older than a, than a millennial because like everything I grew up on was like Nick at Night sort of stuff. But I remember watching My Fair Lady at her house once and like scooting closer, like scooting down from the couch onto the floor and then scooting closer to the television and closer and closer and closer and just being like, wow, this Who is, is this Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, like part of me, I remember like the the part where she comes to the top of the staircase, um, shows off like her makeover to go to the ball, mm. um, 
and I was just like, oh my god, like I want to, I want to have a dramatic entrance like that sometime. But just the, the production design of that movie, especially, I think, like mm. I was maybe six or seven, and I was just like, oh, this is what movies look like. Like right. it was not like a lot of the Disney animation or like meant for kids mary kate and ashley stuff that i also like grew up on i was just like oh wow i really like this i really want to watch more things like this yeah and and those those kinds of like old movies that don't feel too old um they sometimes they're kind of, they're sometimes good for kids because they kind of get the visual language um yeah stuff like that yeah yeah how totally. how did People like how do kids like your age react to you when they're you're like my favorite movie is My Fair Lady. Oh my god! I mean, I was a weirdo. I was like, <laughs> my favorite movie is My Fair Lady. Um, I mean, by middle school, I was like, I feel like it, it's always such a trope to be like um, the like Breakfast at Tiffany's posters. You are the, you are there right. when you go to like college. It's like the whole trope of the freshman dorm room either has an animal an animal house poster or breakfast at tiffany's poster and i had both of them in my like middle school bedroom oh, um i was such i was a weirdo and i'd like tell people like my first celebrity crush was dick van dyke and it was just like what planet are you from do you do you credit that solely to your um scottish babysitter or do you think like there were other outside influences um, I mean, I think it's like primarily that because like when you limit what someone can consume at such an early age and that like I didn't watch a lot of other programs or like I remember if I came home when I came I remember when I came home at night, I'd want to watch TV and it's like eight o'clock at night in the 90s. It's like what's OK for children during prime time Nick at night. And so I would fall asleep to, like, the Dick Van Dyke show or, like, the Mary Tyler Moore show. And mm. I had an older cousin also who, like, influenced what I like. Um, so I would say it was mostly that. And then um, in middle school, just being curious and always kind of feeling, like, fascinated by, um, by decades in which I did not grow up. And wanting to learn more and i feel like movies and music were my easiest ways in hmm. yeah yeah that's good that's a good way to put it i remember um i've always i've always had this similar taste of of wanting to know how people lived decades apart from us but i i liked it to be like kids looked like me now like they dressed like me and they talked like me um in history books when in class sometimes I'll flip to decades ago when we're learning about different chapters, but I'll flip to like the nineties because <laughs> I was school, uh, like two decades away from the nineties or the eighties. And they were kind of like, Oh, okay. They don't look too different from myself. They don't dress like totally obscure. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's off topic, but no, I mean, no, I mean, no. sometimes it is like, I mean, it's all windows, right? It's windows into a different reality because it's something that you can't perceive because you weren't existing in that time. You can only you can only accept that people like you can only accept what's shown to you and what's told to you. You can never like you can never like 
totally make sure that they are completely telling the 100% truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't experience that for yourself. You're just going to have to take people at their word and be like, I guess that's how it was. I guess this picture perfectly captures the 90s, I guess. Cause, or uh, the 80s or the 70s. And just like, I, I wasn't there, so I can't say. So it is always that weird experience of just being like, I guess this is how it was. Like, I, I'm never going to really figure out if it really, like, I'm never going to find out. I mean, you know, you can, there'll be, you know, pictures, uh, videos, documentaries whatever but you never be in it so it's always interesting to get right. those windows into being like oh so this was just a different way of living and i was skepticism there, doesn't enter there. into us at that age yeah yeah <laughs> um so what was the first th- where when was the first time you saw mr samarica this is funny because i rewatched it this week for the podcast and um I saw it was like it says 2015 and I'm like that's so weird because I have this distinct memory of watching it on my laptop in my first um apartment after college that like I had moved out of by 2014 and I'm like why do I have this memory of like watching this movie in this place I so I guess it must have been though like when it came out um but not in theaters I remember distinctly like watching it on like Amazon Prime or something, like shortly after it came out to VOD. Hmm. Yeah, because this was 20, I, I think it was 2015, but it premiered at a festival and then it came out soon after, but it was a year or six months apart from While We're Young. I'm trying to, I was trying to think of the chronology oh. today. <clears throat> They're pretty close together. I didn't um, think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually, I saw this when I was preparing to watch uh, Marriage Story. And I was going to fit in either this or Kicking and Screaming uh, uh, right before Marriage Story came out, and I watched this. And then right, right before I rewatched this, I now just saw Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just such a fan of Noel Baumbach, you know. We've talked about it a few times, and he's just so, he's just so talented and clever and... Um, precise it's they're all his movies are just so good I, I don't know it's it's a cliche to say that but um because he's he's risen to popularity so much where it's just like ah i need to come up with something new to say about him but he's just so smart um before i mean i'll just say it. i watched it last night i had no interesting story uh i watched it last night um just on amazon or something and uh that was the first time i've seen other bomb bucks I've seen while uh, while we're young or is it while there or were I always forget while we're young while we're young uh, Meyerowitz stories marriage story Francis Ha and that's it um, while we're young was my first time seeing bomb I feel like I've talked I think I've talked about this before since this is our third third yeah we covered Meyerowitz Francis Ha and this is it and this is also our third Ger- Gerwig we covered yes. Lady Bird uh, Francis Ha, and now Mistress of America. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just before uh, we move on or whatever, um, what drew you? Like, what was your expectations, Carrie, for Mistress of America? What, like, what we you were going into it? You're like, I guess I'll watch this on Amazon. What were what were your feelings? What were your ideas? What were your expectations? What was your history with Noah Baumbach before this? Oh, sure. Um, I had more of a history, I think. Well, actually, I don't know because I think I had. Um... I guess I had more of a history with him because I had seen 
Marco at the wedding and uh, Greenberg. And I remember, like, mm. I really, really liked Greenberg. And all of my friends were kind of like, and I, I don't want to say, like, the I don't remember 100% if the critical reception was, like, not great. But I just remember what I had heard and read about it was kind of like, this is so, like, um, misanthropic and... Yeah. And like, what a downer! And I was like, oh no, I think the, like the, like downer comedy is really funny. Um, mm. And but I think I approached this one more because I had seen Francis Ha um, at the IFC Center, like senior year of college, when I was supposed to be studying for finals, and I remember just being blown away by it and being like. I absolutely love this movie. I absolutely love Greta Gerwig's point of view and her way of storytelling and her presentation of what it's like to be a young woman in New York City, like figuring it out um, more so than more realistically than girls and more true to my experiences, I think. And so when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, oh, I really want to see it. Um, This just everything about it looks like it's extremely my shit and for some reason or the other or other I didn't see it in theaters but like I was expecting to love it and and I think I ended up liking it okay the first time I definitely have liked it better the more I've watched it mm. <clears throat> I agree with you there this is this movie that just rewards rewatches um it doesn't like you see all its tricks but then they just don't grow stale uh when you revisit it again and I think you also hit on something that when you see Francis Ha when you're college age, it kind of guts you, like no matter who you are. Or <laughs> it's like a twenty, like you can you don't have to live in New York and you don't have to be in college or anything. It's just like, ugh, it's it's really just adulthood. It's a lot. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I I, I I noticed the same thing with Margot at the wedding because that that's one that I really haven't gone back to or wanted to go back to but if i had to go back to it i would be upset because it's more so like cold like i remember like it takes place kind of like during a rainy day and it's yeah. just like yeah that's kind of the mood of the movie um yeah that's a strange one that um and greenberg's kind of like my own my only blind spot uh when we cover like marriage story i'll have to <laughs> uh watch God. that one. but yeah but but yeah it's like yeah i, I agree that this one is so so good at um just showing Greta Gerwig as the ultimate big sister she's she hey she's like the ultimate uh babysitter yeah <laughs> right where it's where it's like this is the person that um that you look up like, like that you look up to but then in the movie you find out okay wait she has all the ideas and projections for success but how are we going to get to success I don't think she quite knows that yet because she's so much of an ideas person and not much like a instructions person. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, just to go back real, uh, real quick, Carrie. Since you didn't like it, you didn't love it the first time. What kept drawing you back to it? What we were like, mm, I gotta, I gotta watch this again. Well, I think I, um, I think I remembered like enjoying it enough that I was like, I do want to rewatch this at some point. Um. And I think as I got older, I definitely wanted to rewatch it to understand the nuances more of Greta Gerwig's storytelling um, 
and her craft in the screenplay. But then I also was like, I, I got drawn back into it by kind of thinking like, oh, this isn't just like a another like indie comedy or like another, um, I don't know, like surface level, it seems like one thing, but at one point I was kind of like, wait, I need to rewatch this and frame it from the perspective of this is a modern take on a screwball. And then everything just kind of changed for me. And I was like, oh my God, this is even smarter than I thought it was and more appealing. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, Jack, to like see the different tricks that it, um, that it has up its sleeve. They kind of reveal themselves to me over and over again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, he's such a good, um, master of like staging his actors and it's very much uh yeah i mean it's this is mike is most theatrical um like that when they go to greenwich that estate is just their that's their stage right you know that's they're they have no audience their audience is themselves but they th- this is not real life you know yeah. like i was re-listening to our Meyerwitz stories earlier our, our episode on it and it's and then, like, yeah, like, Brianna and us, like, we touch on this, like, this is not real life that they, uh, that they're in when, when they exit New York City. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. That's, that abrupt, um, switch, like, even, um, even in the car, you're like, oh, wait, this is a dip, it's like a different tempo. Like, they're talking, um, almost transatlantic accent. Yeah. In a, in a, in a certain, uh, pitch. Um, because it's, and you know, it's funny, you bring up My Fair Lady earlier, and uh, George Cooker, um, you know, you kind of think about uh, Philadelphia story, and, and the sort of zing, zag um, it's very speed poppy. at which, yeah. It's yeah. Very, it just go, it go, 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 stamp, 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 yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, you, you, it's so, it, it's, it's very satisfying to hear a, a group of people put that sort of material together absolutely yeah and it I, like you said i feel like at the second they leave new york it becomes like i'd be curious to see it staged um as a play because it read like everything about it sounds it, it seems so much like it was a play adapted for the screen um in the way that it just like plays out especially in the last yeah, really, half yeah like the yeah. way like the way that whole mansion or I guess it's a, it's a big ass house. Um, like uh, how each like ge- how it's uh, stayed geographically and how like five different characters enter a room at once. Few of them leave. Some of them stay behind. We stay with them yeah. and like they all have interesting character act. Like each character has it's a farce. Yeah. yeah, but like everyone has a moment with each other, and that's very like I even though I don't. It's not that's not necessarily completely unique to the stage that it's, I associate that where basically every character has at least one kind of moment to have with one another. And there's in like all the character dynamics are set up almost immediately as they walk into the room at, at any given time. I mean, like include mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I feel like for some reason, the inclusion of Karen is such a, <laughs> it just feels like that would be a Karen, you're a lawyer, a, right? <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that would be like her just sitting in a room, just pregnant and like chiming in once in a while. It does feel very stagey. Not in a bad mm-hmm. way. That that can get that. There's a lot of negative connotations with that word when describing movies. But like, it does feel like a real, you know, 
it does feel like we just need at least we need this energy in the room at this point yeah we need yeah. this kind of vibe with to bounce off these other people and i remember it's all like especially especially with the brooke and dylan relationship mm-hmm. like when he walks into the movie it's like there's there's like they're friendly and i, I think that relationship was um platonic up until a point but it's it's more just it it's it's a shifting moment that it doesn't it doesn't like feel as though the movie's fumbling the ball and once he enters it's just oh yeah no this makes perfect sense that this person and then yeah, it almost the, fits immediately the guy that yeah. that needs the yeah. house story you know it's, it's all good yeah, yeah it does have a lot so, of like so amazing the last half is like i feel like when they really kick the farcical elements into overdrive yeah. and it like just leans like it kind of, in a way, thinking about it now, seems a little bit like bait and switchy. Like it strikes you as a very conventional, smart movie, like a very conventional smart comedy for the first half, and then the second half they just lean hard into like, this is a farce. This is a screwball yeah. farce. This is like Philadelphia story. Um, Philadelphia story. His girl Friday. His girl Friday. Um, uh what's up doc what other old movies can we maim the apartment feel smart yeah (laughs) you're right yeah i mean on the the waterfront yeah (laughs) the end of it really like reminds me too or the that scene where they're all together in the mansion really reminds me of um what's up doc where they go to they all end up at this like house where like this super nice house where they're they're supposed to be like the award ceremony or whatever and it's like mm-hmm. oh you're judy maxwell you're not eunice burns no i'm eunice burns it's like and everything all hell breaks loose and like all of the suitcases are there it's just like all these disparate people together um somehow like finding a reason to like interact with each other i don't know it's, exist yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i think I'm, it's been a while since i've seen uh while we're young I want, I want to go back to that one. But I, I think something similar happens. That it's almost as if he's testing it out, this uh, this rhythm that he's created. I mean, he didn't create it, but it's more like he's hom- bringing a homage to it. Um, it's uh, Ben Stiller at this like award ceremony, and Charles yeah, Burton yeah, is there. Is, yeah, you're right. And it he plays a like a Fred Wiseman. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fred, he plays like a Fred Wiseman-esque kind of f- filmmaker in the movie and it's and it's just like the i remember like it, it's not like i had a taste in film very much developed when i uh when i saw that one but it's like i kind of recognized how rhythmic it all sounded and i think that's why this run of francis ha up until now his movies are, have gotten so much stronger and so much uh they have so much more heart in them um than like greenberg squid the whale um uh, marco at the wedding and even kicking and screaming, like it's, it's so much, it's so much, like it, I think the movies like its characters, but I think their characters sort of like don't like themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like, but that's a, I feel like Gerwig is a big part of that evolution. Oh, I mean, no, she's totally. the biggest part. Yeah, it's no secret that they're and it's very... Jennifer and it's yeah, it's it's no secret that Jennifer Jason Lee and Noah Baumbach did not have the best working relationship when. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Did they make? Movies. Did he make like a movie inspired by that? That was like pretty obvious. I don't. <laughs> that was sort of a, a, 
a cachet into award season. Oh, I don't know. All right, was it like yeah. something that maybe could have been described as a story of marriage? <laughs> just, just speaking out loud. It's actually here. two people that love each other. They're going through divorce. I mean, yeah, let's sure. be real. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, like her, like he does. But no, nothing's like, coming to mind what we're describing. I can't really. Think but Gerwig does like bring a light to kind of everything. I, I mean, yeah. and not like a light as in like, oh, it's just pot, like it's just rainbows and unicorns, or like, no, it's like she brings this joy that is so, but is still based in reality. It's not like gaslighting optimism or whatever. It's like still like this pure, unbridled joy of life, even though she, like she fully recognizes that it can be really shitty sometimes. Um, but I, watching this and seeing Francis Ha. It just really shows you in like watching like Marriage Story. Uh, it does show you how much of an impact Gerwig makes in both Francis Ha and Mistress America. It's like mm-hmm. a like I don't know. I just and also obviously watching her own work with Lady Bird and Little Woman. Um, it is just. I don't know. Like it's, it feels like it's hard for me to keep thinking of the, like Francis Ha and um, Mistress America as Bombach movies. I mean, it doesn't have to be just one person. It's the, it's you know, it's collaboration, of course. And the, just since they wrote them together too. Yeah, but I just it always just feels like Gerwig is the dominant voice in those movies, and I'm not saying that like I don't know. Like I, I don't, I have no idea the actual collaboration or creative process they did making those movies but she just brings such unique energy that i can't really put my finger on in like in the sense of i don't i can't think of anyone else who does it like her in the sense of that just pure unbridled joy of life while also but but not making things rosy like basically having it still be reality but finding the joy in that reality she has a bit of sardonicism yeah yeah i feel like it's um I feel like it's kind of like a this warmth, but this recog- this warmth to there's a warmth to it, but it's also like this recognition of um like life is ridiculous and life like sucks a lot sometimes, but like it is in- it is at the end of the day ridiculous and like all we can do is laugh at it. Like if we don't laugh to get through the shitty parts, like what the fuck else are we gonna do? It's true. It's true. If we don't laugh, then we'll end up like Dylan and Mimi Claire, you know? <laughs> it's yeah, like we'll miserable. just end up in the burbs, miserable, uh, on the brink of another kid or a diver- divorce. <laughs> we, With no imagination. She yeah, she also has this great imagination. <laughs> Looking for an apple bong, you know? It's like... Yeah. But she, like, entered, like, just. I don't know. She's, like. She's so energetic, but not annoying in the sense of, like, sometimes mm. there can be too much energy just infused into a film where it just feels like they just like the movie needs to slow down and calm down because it's getting right. to be a point where I'm like I can't even retain anything you're saying right now. I think the the over-energized version of the the Brooke characters is almost like the traditional manic pixie dream girl which is oh, yeah. like a, a term where it feels even weird to say let alone talk about but that is too much and it, it's it's a fantasy, um, much like this movie is kind of a fantasy, but that character is is so, is a bit overdone. I think from maybe it's taken on very different variations, but it's kind of dying now. And um, Brooke is sort of the the more mature 
um, version of, of that archetype. Which is interesting. Like, I, I thought that for a very long time. And then watching it last night, I realized um, it feels like she's hollow because our view or hollow and like manic pixie dream girl because our view of her is through bro or is through tracy and tracy mm -hmm. doesn't really get to know her well enough to know anything other than like the surface stuff and the flashy stuff that she's impressed by and i was kind of like i was watching it with one of um my best friends who was like making fun of me the whole time she's like you are you and i are in this movie like i am the person who writes about my friends who seem at first like or who has written about friends um and the first impressions of them when they seem like these they seem like characters to me and they seem like cooler and more intimidating than they actually are and i i feel like there's a certain type of framing device that she like she kind of brings that in as a framing device to like make us take on the point of view of like a shy spectator who can only see the flash and like is too intimidated to get closer if that makes sense absolutely yeah i, th I think tracy uh i don't think she re refused to look at the negative aspects to brooke but she she only spent one night and right. she she she's almost kidding herself that it was a whole weekend or a week or something um because i i think because they're sisters that with like a first look that that they know each other but it's it's like that's overestimating the relationship already that they didn't even happen like they call it the wedding yeah which is the funniest I, which i forgot about that part um and i also but, just like um yeah and i oh sorry yeah um i, I think greta also just made made really clever um career choices um starting out in uh oh my god i can't even think of that um mumblecore that's it like starting out in like the buchaskis and the duplass brothers and of the world and and then like slowly graduating on to bigger projects and um greenberg i believe like blew her up as, as well as brie larson actually and um now that she's gotten so much recognition it's, it's like she's gone from and she's like played with studio pictures too so it's she's she can play ball with anybody but she's so specific about her taste now she's one of the best filmmakers in the world so it's crazy to, to see um it's sort of like the career of jordan peele in a way um but yeah and i i was gonna say something else but anyway carrie you can, you can go now no i mean I, that also makes me think like another thing like we were talking about um like we you know, what is it that she brings to these films? I'm kind of like putting the pieces together now. It's just occurring to me that like she brings um, an appreciation for a young woman's point of view. Um, like in Lady Bird, she focuses on high school senior and what the world looks like through her eyes. Um, Frances Ha, it's like 22, 23, or no, she's like 27 or something in that. I don't know. She's like, I, I can't remember, but she's like in her post-grad 2013 was so long ago yeah post-grad days <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but then in this it's like it's a very specific view of an 18 year old girl and how she looks at the world and looks at like other people and doesn't have the like capacity to um 
to see people who for who they really are versus like who they present themselves to be which is like oh thinking about it I'm like oh yeah when I was 18 I, I also kind of like I probably also would have been really like dazzled by a like a 30 year old like Brooke I would have been like yeah like oh she's so cool and not have bothered to like look any deeper while also being like deeply insecure about myself and and that's yeah and and that's sort of what drives Tracy to create those short stories about Brooke where that's the ideal version of what me in a decade will look like while I think um Brooke is looking at Tracy and she's like okay how do I fix you but not to make you better but to make me a, a better version of me like me but better me but what I wanted to be at 20 years old yeah (laughs) it's very it's a very fun relationship at least until uh the final 12 minutes you know (laughs) and and i'm even i'm even a a victim of um idealizing friends from a little while ago and then like thinking that they were so much better than from what i remember versus how they actually were because well that's more fun right you know (laughs) but um the thing with Tracy is, um, I didn't really, I didn't know, I knew this was a two-hander, but I didn't know exactly in what way, in what the dynamic was. I went into this movie fairly blind, I just know it was, uh, Gerwig, ba- uh, Bombach, and Gerwig is in it. Um, the thing about Tracy is, and there, uh, Carrie, you mentioned this earlier, of how the, the film kind of, uh, frames... Brooke is the Manny Pixie dream girl because Brooke, or not mean sorry, because um, uh, Tracy sees her in that way, and the and how Tracy kind of sees Brooke as hollow even though she isn't. It's like, I truly think it's just. I mean, of course, there's other reasons, but Tracy's just too young to get it. She's like, she just hasn't lived enough life, and she hasn't really been like you know. Um, uh, Brooke says at one point, I forget exactly what, but basically saying that you shouldn't, you shouldn't understand, like, you know, you can't really understand this. You haven't lived it. You're, you know, this is my life. You know, this is, you know, you don't have, you haven't, you can't steal my life. It's mine. <laughs> um, you can't. <laughs> you know, it's the, a bit of the relationship we talked about with the Jeannie Berlin and uh, Anna Beckwin in uh margaret oh god right? yes oh yeah when Jeannie yeah. berlin is like yeah. oh that that line sticks to me yeah, like every, i think about yeah. it all the time where she's like you have it's every like right you're just some fucking kid or yeah something. she's yeah, like you yeah. have every right to falsify your own life but you don't have any right to falsify others like ooh, brilliance it's brilliance. a huge yeah. takedown um but <clears> no <throat> it's true like she's trying to co-opt um <laughs> Jesus Christ. We were talking about Spring Breakers. What was that? A week ago? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Time isn't real. Yeah, time is not real. And it was two weeks ago. It's right before we did Patriot's Day. It was but, Easter. Yes. I remember that. Um, but in Spring Breakers, like, that whole movie is about how others co-opt or basically, um, I forget the term, um, but basically t- uh, take another person's experience informs them as their own and you know uh 
basically be, because their life isn't interesting enough or they don't have or they just basically take they they, they take over or not take over but they co-op someone's life i um, mean this like you know tracy i don't know if she's quite doing that because she's so aware of everything she's very like a aware self-aware person even though she doesn't understand that she just mythologizes um Brooke so much that she kind of forgets her forgets to see her as a person and so and like she feels so confident in having her figured out from like jump street that it's like a self-fulfilling mm. prophecy that no matter what tracy is going to feel like she was proven right in the end like she she it's like she almost refuses to let brooke surprise her um in a lot of ways and so i just i do think that like her basic not viewing brooke as a a complete person that isn't just these that isn't just a fictional character um is why she just like and it's just because she hasn't lived enough life she's so new to all of this that it's just it has to be overwhelming to be honest just in like in that whole in the whole start of the movie is just how she's just like i don't even know what the fuck i'm doing like this is weird i'm here <laughs> in new york and it does and i feel like i'm not living in new york and that's what a bizarre yeah, you know, experience I I love I love how romantic she views Brooke, but unromantic she views college, where it's like college you you would expect to be like, um, meeting all these new friends and and uh, um, she's discovering herself and it's like no she's just like sitting alone at a restaurant and just um, it's it's a very yeah kind of lonely she has like one friend but but then this guy's like dating other girls so it's it's yeah it's it's so muddy and complicated. Um, but then it's like Brooke comes along and, and she's like the guardian angel. And one of my, like, I, when I first saw this guys, like, and, and um, I, I remember exactly where I was when I, when I first saw, um, uh, Brooke's character introduction, I was in tears of laughter. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, it was just like, so such a perfectly timed joke when she was on those, uh, stairs in Times <laughs> time square and she's coming down to greet, Tracy, it's so but it's funny. like she doesn't realize how long it's gonna take. The description of like it's such a good gag, and like this the description of it in the script where it's like, like she, it kind of like hits her partway through that like the bit isn't. It's like she's timed it all wrong, but she's like committed yeah. to it, so she has to kind of like go yeah. through. Oh my god, it's so good. It's it's just, the face she makes too, where she's like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And this is such a perfect uh. encapsulation of the character. She's someone who mm. feels like she, she, she's very, she's very like motivated to present herself in a certain way, and she does. And she usually lives lives up to it. But she all, but it's not exactly like she's not exactly who she presents herself to be. Yeah, like, there's always right, just like something a little yeah. off. Yeah. And but she still, but she sticks with it. She doesn't like give up halfway through. So in that scene, when she's doing that bit, it's not like she's like, oh, I guess I'll just walk down now. She keeps going with yeah. it yeah. to a fault. <laughs> it reminds me of like... And it's a bit... It, it reminds me of like a... like a Not long after that, when they're... Um, when she's taking her around the city and they go to like the concert and Brooke gets on stage. Um, and I, in reading the screenplay, like the description of that moment is so precise where she says something like... Um, like when Brooke dances on stage, she is a person pretending to be free, and it's like that just unlocked the character for me. Like that one single yeah, line, yeah. it's like, oh, it's all an act. But like, 
She's just, she's trying so hard, and she's also trying so hard to not let you know that she's trying so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she wants to come off as um, effortless, but but from the vantage point that, that we get, it's like, no, she's, she's so full of it. And that one moment of vulnerability is when she's talking to her dad, and, um, and she's like, oh, just let this one thing go easy for me and she's she's like trying to convince herself that she's like in a business meeting when she's just like she's negotiating money with with the next boyfriend um so yeah it's it's just she's so much performance um in this Brooke character and, and it's almost like what would ruin the movie is is if we had tracy doing narration over it like she was so cool we went to a party and yeah, you know, drink wine afterwards, but then it's it's like no, you just you just get this uh, great banter, and uh, Kirk and Gerwig have like an incredible chemistry. So it's like no more needs to be added to um, to have these two have such a functional and uh, dysfunctional relationship. You know, it's it's funny. Like um, I love the interviews from this chan this um, channel, the Build series. I'm pretty sure they're in. Um, New York City, they filmed there. And Greta Gerwig is, was doing one of those for the Build series. And she was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life anymore. Like, I could be doing something else in a decade. But for right now, I'm doing pictures for ladies. <laughs> I love the way that she, uh, she she words that. When was this? When she was pro- promoting this. That's so funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, she is very much... That is, it seems like so far... You know, of course she can. I, I, what, I forget what her next movie is, but like, so is far. Is she still doing Barbie? I, I've had funny. I don't know why, but I've had like arguments with people about that movie. Not because like, not with any of like the content. I just, I refuse to believe that's actually gonna happen. No, Some, it's there's it's no way. To... You think and Hasbro Robbie is gonna let Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig make a Barbie movie? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, they me? could have a take. I don't know. I mean, no, they could. Oh, I bet they have yeah. a great take. But Hasbro, no. Yeah, no, the corporate no. sign off on that is like, yeah. yeah, it's so not like them too. You know, um, I mean, she's gonna be in uh, Noah's next movie with Adam Driver, White Noise. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, and is uh, she, Netflix she, is handing, they're he's hand, they're handing them like. Two hundred and fifty million dollars to to make it. Like he has a pretty sizable sizable budget to make his next project. Is is she co writing that? I don't I don't know. I don't um, think so. But I could do ghosts. Um, I'll go check. But she is very much in, like so. Okay, Frances Ha very much about the a story about a woman, a young woman in um, New York trying to figure out. Oh shit! I guess I have to grow up now, but I don't really want to. Um, and kind of growing up kind of sucks. And this seems like it seems like I still have to transition, but I don't even want. But I don't really want to, and I don't even know what that looks like. So I just think I'm gonna live this life until I I'm told not to. And then like in you know Mistress America, you know, to you know it's a fe- it's a female friendship movie. Um, I mean that's. It, I don't want to, it's not, of course, exact, like, that's not all of it. It's so much more than that. But it is, that's the, somewhat of the premise. And then, you know, Lady Bird and then Little Women. I mean, she is very much making, like, as she said, as uh, Gerwig said herself, she's making pictures for ladies. Like, it is, that, that is her motivation right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the speaking of the friendship thing, I, I the, what I before found you go so, into that actually. Um, oh, okay. Greta Gerwig is not co-writing White Noise, but yeah. if you guys go on to um, its profile on Letterbox, the poster for White Noise right now is just a photograph of Noah Baumbach, which is very funny. It's very that is very funny. That That's is not funny. just like you know. It's just not the words. It's just, it's just the director. <laughs> um, but it's a one-man play. I, has he act? He hasn't act, has he? He has I never acted. I, I think he maybe has a cameo in Kicking and Screaming and yeah. Squid in the Whale. I can't I imagine he'd be yeah, a I good actor. Like... No offense, Noah. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> but like, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, but like the friendship part of this movie is kind of what made me fall in love with it. I'm a sucker for friendships in general like the the Hmm. i don't know i always find it to be like one of the more positive movie the most like positive movies are about friendships the most heartwarming the most fulfilling um and i'm not sure i mean i can't i'm not sure exactly why because i feel like i don't know maybe it's just because it's one of the more relatable things in human experience is friendship and it's always yeah and it's less, it's always, not always, but it's usually less complicated than romance and has less conflict than romance. Um, not saying, of course, friendships have plenty of conflict and plenty of complexities to it, but, you know, it's not as conflict-driven as a lot of romantic movies are. Um, but, like, I, I've, so just them hanging out in New York, which is, like, the first hour of this movie, is some of the most joy i've felt in like months it's like i it's true bliss for me because i just because they it's like that instant connection they have with each other it's like so unspoken in the way they just only immediately clicked that it just feels so welcoming and warm even though it's not like they know each other all that well and it's not like they like it you know like at sometimes fucking brooke is like like go go drop off my things and throws the keys at her it's like that's not like the most friendly thing to do um but like it is but it still feels charming even though i'm just like i don't know if i would really want to put in that situation but it's almost if like tracy accepts it and kind of wants to do that stuff it's like she wants to be the under um understudy of brooke and how it's they're both they it feels like they're both achieving or they're both getting something from their relationship they're both being fulfilled by some aspect of it that it makes me it i don't know it truly just brings me so much joy right and it, it's a little bit like they they start talking to each other like biological sisters instead of stepsisters um i don't have like a i don't have a stepsister <laughs> so that's not like i i know like what it, how different that communication would be but it, but you do have I a sister it's more just i hey now um but it's more like they they uh they know each other longer for um what seems what what is actually presented to us um i i guess we already said that but um yeah it's it's sort of the idea that it gives brooke reason to snap at tracy the morning after because she's like oh i'm so comfortable with you right now i can i can speak to you in any time i like yeah and i think it um to speak to like Clay what you said about them both getting something out of the relationship I feel like even though 
yes, like sometimes Brooke like snaps at her um, and isn't the most like mentoring. I feel like she probably has this um, perception of herself as like mentoring. And I think like everyone wants to like in some capacity sort of help like lead somebody else and like guide somebody else oh yeah but at the same time everyone also wants to be like guided by somebody smarter or not smarter but like older and more experienced than them and they're both getting like where they are in their lives like they're getting that um that sort of experience that they both really need um out of the situation which is one that i have found myself in plenty of times and it's interesting how she portrays it i think like mm-hmm. like you said she does kind of jump into the role of like i'm your sister now so i'm going to treat you like my, mm-hmm. you're my sister <laughs> which is a little <laughs> unusual and i think that's where the comedy comes because it's like it's the truth and like reality of the experience but then tilted because like how many people would do yeah, that in certainly. their life Oh, for sure. It's, yeah, she doesn't... The funny thing is, even though, like, Frances Ha, Lady Bird, and, um, you know, Little Women, and, I mean, Gerwig's work in general, and even her acting, it's not like she plays an actual real human being, but she does at the same time. Like, she, like, it's, she's almost, it's one of those things where she feels so odd that you're like i don't really i don't think people really act like this but yet you know someone who does does that make any sense i think it's more of like a composite thing she um yeah yeah she's always like she doesn't feel like she's sometimes like when she walks into a movie she's like you're are you supposed to be in this movie especially her in 20th century women yeah you know it's like it's such an oddball character it's not a negative it's just that she just brings all this like just brings this unique energy that feels unknowable but yet it feels familiar i know i'm saying like weirdly nonsense things that make no sense but i don't i I, i'm trying i do feel like i am saying listen you just you just described this entire podcast (laughs) this is true yeah Yeah, it's true (laughs) yeah that is very true i yeah i think the way brooke acts is very much the the way greta gerwig acts um like as a person and i I, again like that is not an insult at all in fact that's a compliment (laughs) because you just that personality is so infectious um even to uh a worse degree that you're like oh how how much should i be trusting this person's intelligence and their knowing of the world when in fact like they're just bullshitting it like the rest of us it's like a strong sense of self, I think, that she brings to the role, whether she's playing somebody who is absolutely ridiculous or somebody who is more grounded in reality and more serious. Like in 20th century women, women there's always like this, this confidence, this like, this feeling of like she knows who she is as the character that I can't like, I can't exactly describe, but it's, it it's like um it almost just like reminds me of somebody like entering a room with like perfect posture and their head held up really high like oh, that's yeah, what yeah. it feels like to me that sort of energy it's like someone with really good teeth 
Someone who immediately makes an impression. You know, there's people who are just like so impression based. You're just like, oh, I know, I have a sense of you almost immediately. I don't, you know, I don't know you that well. I haven't really spoken that many words to you, but I just have a sense of who you are almost like instantly. Um, it is interesting. We've mentioned, so we mentioned her as Frances and Frances Hall, of course. Um, and like um, her character from 20th Century Women and Brooke in this, Mistress America. But they are very uniquely Gerwig, but they're also like very different characters. And it's crazy she's able to pull that off. She should be playing herself almost 24-7. And she is in a way, but they still feel very unique and distinct from each other. Yeah. Yeah, like we kind of know what we're getting at this point, um, even though she doesn't have any acting projects coming up, like we know what we're getting with the Greta Gerwig character, quote unquote. Um, even though like nobody will be like resisting that, I feel like she's a very just she's she's a very watchable person, and she can't. She's almost like a from another era too. Like she would fit in like old Hollywood or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's where the screwball we talked about earlier, Carrie, about that screw, like how the film can be seen as a screwball comedy. I mean, her energy definitely brings it to that. I mean, her writing in general. I mean, yeah, like she did. It's one of those things. Like, of course, she acted in the movie, but she also did co-write it, and it feels mm-hmm. like I don't know. It, it it's like she's she's the person guiding you. At all times, when anytime she like anytime you're watching a movie that she's written, um, it just feels like she is the dom- like she is the guiding factor into what world we're being introduced into. Um, yeah, she's the Sherpa too. Yeah, um, and, and like even even in Sacramento, like that it's it's like Sacramento in Lady Bird is so it's so it's like any other small town, but. It's like on the outskirts of these bigger towns, like Los Angeles and San Francisco and stuff like that. Like, they're all contained in one state, but still, it's like no, she, she has such big heart for for her uh, birth, birth town. Um, do you want to actually before I forget? Do you want to tell me the Wes Anderson movie that Noah Baumbach starred in? I completely forgot he was in. He's in a he's in a Noah Baumbach movie, or like Noah Baumbach's in a Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. For like a split second. I don't want to say. I mean, Grand Budapest, I guess, because since everyone in the, is in that movie for a split second. Yeah, such a big ensemble. Uh, Life Aquatic. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yes, I yes, that. yes, yes. That's yes. right. I think yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, what was I gonna say? But yeah, no, it is actually really funny though that. Her directorial debut is a movie in Sacramento when, like, her two most successful writing projects are uniquely New York films. Mm. Yeah, and, and she went to school in Bernard. Um, so it's like New York is sort of like a second home at this point. I mean, what's interesting, too, though, is, like, I think those films capture somebody. They do capture that point of view of, like, someone who, uh, for whom New York is a second home. Um, yeah, and the, like the displacedness of of that, mm. yeah, Fish like a little water, bit of like you've made this feel. your home, but it's yeah. not like exactly your home, but like, yeah, it's like you're yeah. renting it. She yeah. lives in New York, but she isn't a New Yorker. That's like that's kind of her vibe in those movies. It's like 
she's here. She loves the city, but she she definitely wasn't born in it. It's like you live in Portland, but do you really live in Portland? So are you <sighs> damn really right. a Portland Just call native? Me out like that? Damn. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I, I sure I, you've I, talked us through night moves in green room, but can you really clean yeah. your front? Which is yeah. Oh, maybe I'm, yeah. I think there's a good opportunity. Don't take what I say about Portland too seriously. Again, I've lived here for <laughs> since like th- like four years. Like I I'm, I don't know anything. I'm gonna pretend I do, right, but right. I don't know anything. Does Greta Gerwig know anything about New York? I don't. She probably does. Knows more than I yeah, do. That should, actually, you know what? Yeah, I took it too far. You know, she does. Uh, <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? I forgot. She probably knows more about New York than you do, Portland. <laughs> that's true. No, that's true. That's for yeah. sure true. You know what? I mean, I feel like. Um. Oh. No, I oh, feel sorry, like they're all like um. It's not necessarily like they're not New Yorkers, but it seems like they are. At least for Brooke and for um, Francis, they are like well on their way to becoming New Yorkers, um, and they want to be. And Tracy is someone who like has such has such strong like I came to college in the city because I want to be a New Yorker energy, but like is clearly new to the city. Um, it's almost like they're they the ways in which that they're like uh, the ways in which they're like. Um, decidedly outsiders it's I, part of it feels almost like that must be such a pain in the ass to them like it's like they're they're not from there and god they wish they could forget that they're not from there mm-hmm. yeah i mean ladybird has that yeah. same energy she's very her and tracy are very much in that same of like like you said i want to be a new yorker so bad like you know, that like this is all I've been dreaming of is being a New Yorker. Um, I want to go in the woods where the writers live, like yeah. New Hampshire, New York. Yeah, Lady Berlin. Yeah. Um, this is a random question, uh, but Carrie, are you a, a single child or a single child, a only child? Single child. No, only child. I am the oldest of three girls. Okay. Oh. I so I'm the only I'm the only only child here. Two only uh, only squared. Um. <laughs> In this movie, like, you were talking earlier, Carrie, about how everyone always, like, like, everyone wants to mentor someone and also wants to, wants to be the mentee of someone. Is that a yeah. word? Mentee? Um, be the apprentice, I guess. Be someone who learns from someone older, more experienced. Um, that, like, I'm a, so, yeah, like I said, I'm only child. I grew up, like, wanting to be some like someone take me under their wing and just teach me all of it someone like uh, you know like a big brother or a big sister that was like my dream for when i was younger um and jack i guess like since your sister is younger than you that it you you you've all you might also have uh wanted that but like no she was the older she's the older one. Oh, really i was of, i'm no, sorry no, no 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 like she's younger but she's She's like you know, in, in terms of like mature, you know, she's oh I see. She's well, way better than I am, you know. What I mean? like, <laughs> yes, I, I I get it. I don't have to worry about her at all. Like yeah, no, that's, no worry goes into life. That's Nothing. my that's my cousin. She's a Anna. I've mentioned her like three times on this podcast yeah, already. Wow. Only in the last really, few weeks. Anna's having a good yeah good little run here. <laughs> she's very much more mature than I am, but she is younger than me, so I, I get the vibes. 
Um, but yeah, like the stuff like the Big Brother program and like that kind of thing. Like I, you know, when I was younger, I used to do that. Um, it only lasted a little bit, but like I always. And then like as I've grown older, now I want to be that person. I want to be the person who's like looks over, at, looks over, you know, Clay, you know, little Clay, who's you know wanting of this big mentor to just tell them how shit is, and also just be like a friend and be someone to be like, yeah, this is you know, be interested in what they're doing, but not feel like, because sometimes like parents, it's just one of those things where you're like, when you try to connect with your parent or your parent tries to connect with you, sometimes it feels like, oh, this, you're obligated yeah. to do this. Like you're a parent. This is like society has said, you have to do this. And so it, it it's not that it doesn't feel, it doesn't, it, it, it can feel authentic for sure, but it's always, but you're always going to have that one doubt in your mind. If you're like, are you just doing this because you're supposed to, or you're doing this because you want to. And so with the brother and sister stuff, even though there is similar expectations, but there is, but that, but just the idea of a mentor or someone, or just an older person to take you under their wing and show you stuff that is, it feels like that's, it can be so authentic. And so when, so when I'm watching this movie, especially in like the first half, that authenticity of someone who's just like, no, I want to legit like, you know, like have you around. I want to have you around. I want to talk to you. I want to teach you stuff. I want to like impart some kind of wisdom but i also but you're also like such an positive influence on me that i gain so much from this relationship as well you know i i'm giving but i'm also taking like you know we're both receiving something that authenticity is some it's kind of like so watching this movie in a way is like kind of wish fulfillment for me even though again like you know i i i don't know like i think when i was younger i wanted a big brother i wouldn't mind a big sister but i always thought like well no i got you know i have to have a big brother because there's that that idea of what a big brother is supposed to be, someone who is very much the person to be more, like, not controlling, but is the one that can, I don't know how to just quite describe it, but I guess as, like, some, growing up as, like, like, a boy, and it's just, it felt like a big, bro a big brother was what I needed. But, so, like, there is that difference, I guess, but the wish fulfillment still felt true and still felt like, just watching someone just ha be that surrogate sibling is, I don't know, I got this really, like, I was super engrossed and happy watching it. It, it really touched me. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the uh, Ben Stiller-Adam Driver relationship in While We're Young. Mm. Um, yeah. Like the protege is, is one that he mined... With, well, actually, <laughs> he mined it within a year of each other because it's like, oh, I still have a little bit more to say about about like the um, decade or so difference between two people, but they still learn so much in between them. Yeah, um, I feel like that each other. age gap is is important too because I remember when I first watched it, it really reminded me of um of my older cousin who was like when I was younger, it was like a big sister to me because um, I really wanted a big sister, and she's five years older than me, and my freshman year of college. Um, she lived in the area and I would like hang out with her on the weekends and like she would like take me to like concerts or like take like just let me hang out with her and her friends or like cook dinner for me and I remember like kind of being like as I got older and as I got to her age I was like oh my god like she had no reason to hang out with an 18 year old like <laughs> college freshman yeah and sort of like make them feel less lonely and less like scared out of their minds. And she did like, that was really baller of her. Um, but 
she was really seems cool. Like the coolest. She's really cool. Just, just um, but then again, then again, like as I've moved through um, my life and in New York, um, I've had friends who are who have like a bigger age gap, and like the ten year thing is really like that. That Tracy and Brooke have like I have a couple of friends who are like ten years older than me, and that's really I feel like less of um. Because with my cousin, it's sort of like five years, I feel like you can kind of feel like you're contemporaries in some ways. Um, at the time, like, I definitely didn't think, like, she's so much older than me. And she's, like, teaching me things. I was just like, oh, cool, I have a, a built-in friend. Um, but, like, the 10-year stuff is kind of when I really felt like, oh, these friends are kind of, like, filling that big sister role or, like, that mentor role. But, like, not so, like, the stuffy mentor role, but, like oh, you, you, you're cool and you're, like, just slightly old enough to, like, not be a contemporary, but not so much that it's not, like, not so much that it's weird, if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. It yeah. does for sure. Because, um, like, weird now is, is reflecting on it and being like, oh, why did my uh, college-age uh, cousin hang out with me when I was yeah. still on the brick brink of being uh, into college? Or you just yeah, say you're eighteen? Like you were eighteen. 18 like fr- a fresh you went, went eighteen. Place. I was like, why would like? <laughs> a, and part of me is like, why would a twenty-three-year-old hang out with an eighteen-year-old? Like, you, yeah. you know, like the first couple of years out of college, I would want to hang out with like people my own age and like do all the like shit that you couldn't do before you were twenty-one, kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh my god! And hanging out with an eighteen-year-old when I was twenty-three would have felt like. I don't want to drag a baby along with me. Does she even have a fake ID? Like, yeah. I'd probably be a I, bitch about it. <laughs> yeah. I I remember experiencing some of that in high school. When I was um, a junior in high school, I, I made friends with a lot of seniors. Because um, I wanted to feel cool, guys. I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, I don't... I only hang with senior kids. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, it was more like... Um, I, I think I felt good about it because I had friends at all. But also it felt weird because it was it was like, oh, wait, I'm still not old enough to, you know, buy lottery tickets or something. Like, if it's it, it was so um, we were so far apart, but but yet, like, we can still hang around and like, like sometimes I, I felt like out of place and sometimes I didn't. Um, funny enough, it's because our birthdays are a year apart, but we're a great apart. So like my birthday's in October. Um, Scorpio's gang, let's, let's rise. Um, and so, like, my birthday is, is on the 25th. And then, like, um, everyone else in this friend group is, like, 26th, 27th, 28th. And, but, like, they're a year apart from me. So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's funny how, like, we kind of connected in that way. Oh, yeah. Like, my best friend yeah. growing up in Virginia, he's, he was a grade ahead of me, but he's only, like, See, my birthday's in November. His is like in sometime in spring. I think either March or April. So like four or five months older than me. But he was a year apart. It is weird how like it's like you can just like how the weird cutoffs for who can be what grade, and it can feel like. But yet, like so, yeah, you know, even though you're only like four or five months older or younger, it does feel like you were a grade apart. There is that weird like difference of just like it's telling um yeah and it's funny like with the tracy and brooke relationship they're a decade apart um 
or even like um when, when that scene that that uh that girl from high school can't uh, comes and interrogates yeah. brooke um it kind of is revealing of of how much of a bygone era her adolescence was but but she's kind of acting as if she's stuck in a rut that we see in uh, Francis Holiday, right? Yeah. Um, actually, good point. Like, so in that scene, when I was wondering, do you think she fully knows, like, is fully aware of what she did to that woman, or do you think she's legit, or do you think she's legitimately like spacing? Like, I don't really remember. I think sort of because she, she's um trying to laugh it off as something like oh yeah that happened like come on like it's it was so long ago we all did i think she even says that at one point what we all did silly things when we were teenagers but then some people were like wait no i still am working this out and um i think she just it was a case where she didn't take it as seriously as that other girl but i think she did know but i think her interpretation of it is different and it's it's definitely more in line of the like yeah we all did like asshole things like i didn't really i I think she doesn't understand her capacity to hurt other people um very well i think she thinks like something that's funny to her is funny to everyone so i think she does remember it but i think she just remembers it differently than than that woman did yeah and I think it I think it tracks because like you know like like you you said Carrie like she doesn't fully she's not fully aware of how much she can hurt someone like look at the thing that happened with Stavos she just kissed that dude and she's like this is ridiculous that you know you locked me out of the apartment blah 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 which is I mean it, it, it is kind of ridiculous but the whole but that whole thing of just like she she just didn't even consider what the ramifications of her kissing that dude at the party would ha- like, and she knew there was a picture being taken of it. She was very much aware of that. Mm. So it's like, she, it, it's interesting that, yeah, she does have that idea of, I'm, you know, which she, parties I have fat arms in some of those pictures. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she is self-absorbed and I feel in the, which is Think about it. Brooke as a character is so charming that it's hard to criticize her, even though there are plenty of things to criticize. Um, She's so engaging and warm and charming that I don't want to call her self-absorbed, but by the definition, like, she is. She is very much focused on her own... uh, her own uh, road. But, I mean, then again, she does... Is it self-absorbed to have to show Tracy around and take her under her wing. I don't know. I guess I'm not sure if she's self-absorbed, but she definitely it, it definitely dawned on me whether she was or was not. I think she definitely has narcissistic tendencies and I think the interesting thing that it brings up is like how much of what makes her a narcissist is like how much of it is that's just who she is. She's a narcissist and how much of it is like our generation um and especially I think our generation but like there there's a subset of women or of people in new york like something about being in new york makes you like even more of a narcissist in a way like just like i I think in a in part to like survive 
um, because it's a city full of narcissists. But, like, how much of it is this is just her personality um, and she needs to go to therapy or whatever and how much of it is, like, this is shit that, like, a lot of people in her generation and, like, you could... uh, A lot of people in her generation are, like... And how much of it is, like, you could find, like, ten other... You could go out on, like, the street corner in, not Times Square, but, like, you could go out on, a, like, a Soho mm-hmm. street corner and find, like, ten other Brooks. Yeah. Like, exactly down to the, mm-hmm. like, wire. <laughs> and I love that line where she's like, I, I can't go to therapy because yes. I know everything about that, myself. Like, that's such, such, a, a, it's such a good line. And it's, it's awesome. also such, like, a telling character description where it's like, oh, she's, like, a yeah. full-blown narcissist, but we're also going to laugh at it. Right. And she says things like, I, I, I taught myself the word autodidactic. It's like, what, what is that? <laughs> it's so great. Um, oh, she's so, oh, God. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I would be, I feel like it would be great to hang around, like, hang out with her. I don't think I could do as much as what Tracy did, like, be around her, like, almost 24-7. <laughs> she's a low-dose friend. I think I'd lose my mind. Right. It's ex- it would be she's exhausting. She's a low-dose friend. But... Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, no, I, it's like, I can see you maybe once a week, every two other weeks or whatever. Like, I, 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 if I'm with you like 24 seven, I will die. I will be dead in a ditch. Um, but like, it's a bit like how we started the Spring Breakers episode. Like, I can't do Spring Break every week. Yeah. Oh yeah. True. I mean, that sounds exhausting. Um, (laughs) but like, she is... What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, but like you said, yeah, like that line. Uh, I that's why I don't go to therapy. I know too much about myself. Um, or I'm paraphrasing, but I mean that's what Gerwig and Bombach are so good at having each line be so indicative of their character or the character who's saying it. It's like there's so much intention in every line of dialogue. And I feel like that's a cliche to say talking when ta- just giving any compliments about scre- uh, screenwriting in general, but it is true. I find that to be harder though in a comedy when so much of it is jokes yeah because sometimes like are you just writing a joke or are you writing a joke coming from that person and i feel like this movie is perfect in that it's a joke coming from that person it's not just any joke because i think it's very i i do think it's very easy to um in screenwriting flub the using dialogue as a way to like explain who this person is like you like there are so many examples of like when you watch a film and someone says like something stupid that like something stupid like you know I haven't been the same since my mom died or like something like something that like yeah stupid and clunky <laughs> and you're just like people don't talk that way um I think Gerwig yeah. captures yeah. I think both of them but like they both really capture the way that people speak and like the way specific people speak and like you said like this isn't just a joke it's a joke yeah, coming totally. from this person it's like the types like tony like I, I think we can all conjure up someone that we sort of know that's like tony where where he's just like i i'd like to think of myself as a genius but i can't wait for the day that's everyone yeah. else knows i'm a genius and it's like what <laughs> um it's funny the, the way that you worded that thought reminds me of that um that bit that John Mulaney's on SNL and he's like, I love the way that Mad Men will put together their promos 
where there's snippets of the next episode. Do you guys know this one where it's where it's just like tiny clips of um, of uh, like random phrases like shut the door, close your mouth, uh, you know, get on my level. Like uh, it's just it's just like so so vague and uh, entrancing. Yeah, it's very funny. John Mulaney can do <laughs> a bit better. <laughs> I mean, he can do any bit better. I mean, he is John Mulaney. Right. Yeah. I hope he's doing well. Um, speak, yeah, I mean, he's also, but the funny thing, actually, speaking of Mulaney, he's also of that unique, uh, unique New York variety of people who are mm. very much not from New York, but are very New yeah. York. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's Chicagoan. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's very much that idea, like, and him, and his stand-up in general does, like, give, it, he, it, it, he always does come off as a newcomer, and he always does come off as someone just, like, getting... Like it like adopted the city, but still overwhelmed by it. Um, and some I, could say he com- he comes off as the comeback kid. All right. Okay. Okay. Oh. That'll be all from us. Oh boy. That's that's it. God, that hurt my soul. <laughs> okay, I can I can leave. I can leave. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean like it is. I don't even know what my point was. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think that... right. It's it's those kind of people that aren't from New York, but they seem like they they're from New York, but they also yeah. blend in at the same time. Yeah, and they're still surprised by the yeah. city. I think that's like that's really touching. Yeah, yeah like new things really excite them. Something to that like when you bring him up, it makes me think that like New York has such a um, New York has such a presence on screen, and as time has gone by, I f- feel like. For so long, the idea of, like, what makes a New York movie or what makes, like, a New York filmmaker, like, these people were often, like, born and raised in New York. Or, like, I mean, you think of, like, Scorsese's New York or, like, even, like, Scorsese's New York or, like, I hate to say it, like, Woody Allen's New York or... Yeah, I was gonna say I'm like there's like, a person there are, there are, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Tell they've spent their whole. We'll censor. We'll censor this. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Star, star, star. Uh, uh, so yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or like you can That's... tell that they have been for so long. It felt like New York stories were told by people who had been in New York their entire lives, um, and then I feel like in the '90s with like you have Nora Ephron making movies that are so like these are so inherently New Yorker. Like they're it's the story of a New Yorker, but yeah. it's also like, yeah, yeah, Nicole yeah. Hall Somebody who too. like came to yeah. New York, um, at an at an impressionable age, and was like, this is where I'm going to live. Totally. Like this is my adopted hometown, and I think it's interesting because in the last like twenty years or so, you really see that sort of viewpoint take hold this idea of like millennials who have come to New York um and it's their adopted hometown they're not like there's something about like New York on film now that doesn't feel so exclusive if that makes sense yeah totally I think it's less dirty too like when Schrader Scorsese Ferreira like when those guys made De Palma even like when those guys would make redacted, when they would make New York centered movies, like they would make them in a way where it's like they wanted to show the warts and all, um, and even like they would dirty it up even more than it was. Like, I mean, that's like Giuliani era New York, so it's like di- kind of different. Like, I'm sure that is actually 
its presentation, but at the same time, it is it is a different look, and it's not like it's mistaken for how it looks um, in in the late '90s with uh, yeah. rom coms, even like how Joan Micklin Silver shows it in Crossing Delancey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's such a... Yeah. That's such a, like, unique example where I feel like it is so... It... I remember Crossing Delancey is the first time I saw yeah. a homeless person. In it, a, in a... But it feels so... <laughs> but the, the movie, that movie feels so lived in and so, like, lifelong New York, but in a way that isn't, like, exclusive and, like you couldn't possibly understand this city if you don't live here sort of way. Um, right. right. It's like, a, I, that might have been like, maybe that's like the tipping point between like, between like, unfortunately, like in, in comedy at least, between Woody's New York and like Nora Ephron's New York. Yeah. And even, even Gen Xers um, that have come up in... Mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach's class, they've they've sort of found found a way to make it seem yeah make it seem as though people are inhabiting this world and they aren't overwhelmed by their city, but they're overwhelmed by just their lives. And New York is just um, it's no longer a character because we've seen it. A char- I mean, just another you know criticism of cliche, but it's no longer a, cl- a character to these people. But it's more just. Um, an ecosystem of many different walks of life. And I think you also see that with a lot of TV shows now that are set in New York. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Search Party comes to mind. Something um, in particular. You were saying earlier, Carrie, about how like New York has become much less of a... But this is even more of a Connecticut yeah. movie, too, where it's like, <laughs> how True. much green Greenwich <laughs> representation do we see on film? Um... I- so I, I don't live in New York, obviously. Never lived. Been there twice. So I, I don't want to speak out of hand here. But I have it, only good things to say about the city, <laughs> Carrie, as well. Um, <laughs> We're not going to come here and shit on New York and have you here. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, I do feel like, though, like I feel like the reason why New York has become such a less of an impact in movies nowadays, um, and it's become not as unique or... Uh, personality, or you know, like it, like New York still has personality. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as much as it used to. I feel like in media, at least, um, I feel like New York has, you know, in reality, has changed. There's been an, a, a ton of gentrification um, in uh, all five boroughs, and it's has legitimately kind of. I'm not saying it's become completely stale or anything. It's still one of the more interesting cities in the world, but it has become more. Uniform Some would say the city that never pl- that never sleeps. No, you're yeah. right. I, it, it's become so homogenized yes. now that I think it's you really have to look to like small pockets, um, like down to like not even neighborhoods but like sub neighborhoods to find personality in the city that's like worthy of on screen dis- um, depiction. It really is gentrification and like the disneyfication of new york has made it such a homogenized place and such a like this city could be any in some ways this city could be any other major city generic major city in america um it's lost you're right like it has lost a lot of the like 
New York personality, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course there's yeah a lot of real-world ramifications that come from that that aren't just yeah. movie-related, but it does show, like, in cinema. Like, there's, um, there's just that less... And I don't know, maybe, you know, and the thing is, New York is such a... It, it's always funny to me when we, as a society, try to just perfectly cast, encapsulate a city in, like, a sentence. Or even a phrase. You know, like, cities like Austin, Seattle, Portland, hippie. Left-wing, liberal, that kind of shit. Um, when it comes to, like, uh, Chicago or New York, very metropolitan, um, and, like, and very, you know, like, dirty, kind of, you know, like, crime, like, it's, so, when we say, like, when we talk about, what's New York, what's New York movies, it is funny to me, though, that we all kind of have, we're mostly all in agreement of what it is, even though it's such a general and broad idea, but we all, I don't, I've never seen the disagreement of, like, well, that's not, like, you know, that's not a New York movie. Like, it's usually, like, we're usually on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I remember saying something similar when we did Margaret. Mm-hmm. Where it's, where it's like, the city's, I mean, the city's oh, like another character. Um, yeah. Margaret's great. I always I forget that Margaret's, you know, it's just opera. <laughs> but I remember thinking about this one that there are never enough thanksgiving movies and when i get to thanksgiving every year i'm like what do i what do i watch (laughs) and it's and it's like planes trains and automobiles is like a perfect comedy but other than that nothing nothing else like strikes me home for the holidays yeah this one is is a a great thanksgiving movie home for the holidays with um holly hunter and and ben croft holly hunter um, yeah robert downey jr Great Thanksgiving yeah. movie. Thanksgiving movies Holy are shit. underrated. Why did, I, why did we do need more? Why did I forget? Because it's that? a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> it's, yeah. It gets like That's it true. Gets, yes, Thanksgiving yes, yes. movies get shafted by the Christmas movies that like they want you to watch like before Thanksgiving even happens. As you named off that cast, I'm like, yeah. that cast looks great. But, but the cast is even crazier um, than oh, that. Yeah. There's David Strathairn. Dylan McDermott, Charles Durning. Like, like there are the so fuck? many people. Claire Danes. Wow. Directed by Jodie Foster. Directed by Jodie yeah. Foster. A what? great yeah. Thanksgiving that's, movie. That's why, that's why I remember that. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, this I think this one, it, it doesn't have to be like um, cutting to cutting back to Trace's mom and uh, she's like taking a turkey out of, thing, out of the oven. You know, it's like it doesn't have to have all the accoutrements to keep reminding you that, yeah. hey, we are in late November. But it's I think it's more just... Um, what really strikes me is the uh, the wardrobe that Tracy and Brooke wear, because it's it's very like fall like. It has those fall patterns, and um, even when we get to the estate in Connecticut, it's it's like everyone's kind of layered, even if they don't show everybody yeah. like taking off their gloves and coats. You know, um, it's like all Baumbach's works. You know, it's just it's very quiet. Yeah. Do you think he's done with New York after Marriage Story? Well, I mean, Marriage Story was still New York. Yeah, but, but like, also was it Los Angeles? Was they it were really a New York family? That's true. No, it's true. It's true. 
But it does seem like um, he's transitioning. Charlie's. Well, you see, the thing about Marriage Story, right? Okay, so Charlie's theater company was in New York, but um, Nicole, her acting gig was in LA. I'm and so, so mad then at you they right had now. to go cross country. Yeah. I'm incensed. Um, <laughs> Absolutely incensed. I, rem- I remember the first time I saw this, and I was like, oh, God damn it. I know Lola Kirk from somewhere i know i know her by the end of this and it was like unfortunately i get this from my dad where it's like i'm not gonna look at imdb like i'm going to find this i know if i trace back enough i can i I can sort through this i can do it i know this is doable i i i can't remember what shot it is maybe i remember it was very um much at the end of the movie and like she's the girl who fucks over amazing amy and gone and gone girl and I, and I was like, yes, I got it. <laughs> um, yeah, because she's that uh, like white trash girl. Oh, I forgot who was, about Who that. kind of stole her money. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was sitting. And I remember like, there was this shot of, of her like sitting out by the pool. And she's like sweet talking. Uh, Amy Elliott Dunn. Was, yeah, I was like, oh, nice, I got it. Um, have you guys seen Little Crook anywhere? She's, she's, really, she's really good I'm in this. I'm trying to remember what I have known her from. She's kind of a believable, believable person too. Around that, someone who would be around Clay and I's age, that I would imagine seeing. I always get her mixed up it's with crazy. her sister, who's the singer. Not, um, not Jemima. There's another oh. sister who is a singer who I've like seen that, like, like opening for a band, like opening for bands at like random like random smaller venues in in the city. And I was always kind of like, is that? The girl from them, and then people. I've had friends be like, "No, that's the other one," which I'm sure, like, <laughs> it's like the Olsen yeah. twins. I mean, it's like if I don't know if my sisters and I were like famous for different things, we would like people confuse us enough in real life. It's like God forbid we, one of us is like an actor, two of us <laughs> are actors, and one of us is a musician. People be like, "Is that which one right. is that?" <laughs> I feel for them. <laughs> yeah. And then the fourth oh, yeah. one's a lawyer, you know? It's like them. the fourth one's a pediatrician. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she has two sisters. One named uh, Gem- uh, Jemia Jemima. Kirk. And... Jemima. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Jemima. And, oh, Domino. We just named her. That's the one I'm thinking of. I, yeah, that's Domino's the, the other? That I'm thinking of. I, I pr- miss... I can't believe I mispronounced Jemima. Like... <laughs> It's been a long day. <laughs> a long day, a long week. Um, Happens. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, Penn, uh, Penn Bagley is her brother-in-law. Whoa. I did not know this. He's married wow, to crazy. which... Who's she married? Domino. He's married oh, to Domino. Wow. I did not know that. What a badass fucking name. Domino. Penn. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, Penn. No, that, yeah, no, Penn is yeah, real badass. Love, love a, love yeah. a Penn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, um, she's, but no, Lola Kirk is fucking incredible in this. I'm, like, shocked. I looked at her IMDb, and I'm like, this is, this isn't enough. Like, this is, like, you know, like, (laughs) like, her most high-profile project after this was fucking, like, America Made, American Made, the Tom Cruise movie. Right. That's, oh my god. That's fucking, and I, I haven't seen it, but I guarantee you she doesn't have a good role in it. I guarantee you. Well, actually, Clay, no one's seen American Yeah, Age. that's true. It's in a vault somewhere, yeah. 
um yeah she she's she just has very well time it's almost as if um greta casted her because she was also very involved in the casting process with uh with noah she saw her as like a spitting image of herself um because they kind of do look alike and and they have different man i mean the similar uh mannerisms um keeping in mind the dynamic of the relationship is um very carefully balanced they still act very similar um with uh with different issues or at least i think tracy will eventually act like brooke with different issues regardless of if they keep a relationship i do i do find her becoming um her protege that makes sense to me (laughs) yeah the like it's it's mostly in the like the like disregard for feelings i guess like she refuses to apologize to her for hurting her feelings for like writing what she wrote um which like she has some ground to stand on but also it's like should she have like just at least apologized if even if she didn't really like fully mean it or even if she didn't think she was wrong yes um i think that's the way in which i'm like oh she could fall into like the same sort of patterns as brooke yeah totally um i i i think that issue with taking inspiration um big or small uh of brooke for the uh short stories it's it's really interesting because on the one hand it's it's like yeah i mean i think a character like her would kind of feel empowered and inspired to to be the subject loosely or not of one of her stories but then it's it's like the depiction of that character you get into and you're like okay yeah i guess i guess you can see where she's coming from like nobody's I don't think Parker Tracy is wrong. Yeah. No. But it's. I think Tracy should have checked in with her. The carcass like, hey, cool line was use a bit you? much. The carcass line <laughs> might have crossed the line. I think at the end of the day, it's like um, it's coming. Yeah, that's true. It's coming from a place of love um, and admiration, but it's also coming from a, mm. like, in a way that is clear-eyed, like in a a way that is clear-eyed and that she does tend to idolize her but she also sees glimmers of the reality and she sees brooke for what she is in some ways which is but loves her her, yeah exactly which is like if somebody says something like kind of unflattering about you but still loves you like or says like it's not that bad like that's I can see why that would sting, but then ultimately you were like, oh, wow, that's like, that's what love is. Like, that's, if you're willing to say something that's like, call out one of my faults, but say like, I think you're fine anyway. Like, I still like you or like my intentions were good. I, I don't think that, that that's like necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember Greta was talking about the comparing of the uh, Francis character and the Brooke character and how the Francis character, um, she thinks that she's in a joke, like a whole inside joke with herself. And this whole thing is just one big comedy. Um, and she's being played all the time. 
But with Brooke, she she'll say a joke, but then she she'll be like, yeah. "Well, you get it? Do you get it? Do you do you get the joke now?" And I think that's very apt um, um, because they they're both wanting to be seen and heard, but they they go about it um, totally different ways. We yeah, it was, it was it goes to what Clay was saying earlier about how Greta's characters are so similar and different at the same time, like. It shows a lot of range, but specificity. It's like she plays different shades of herself in in every role. She like heightens, like, like, like. And you would think that gets old, but it's like no, it's it's not stale. At all. No, but like it's because she. Yeah. I don't know how to quite explain this, but like she like messes the sliders each time. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when sliders like settings basically? So like you know so like her like ener- energy level like for like her like. At her as a person, like her energy level, so sometimes heighten that for a movie or for a role, and then she'll or lower down her I don't know like her charming ability, but whatever. I, what I'm trying to say is that she f- focuses on certain aspects of herself in each role and like work and like accentuates those and maybe uh, you know like puts the other put other characteristics in the background, but she's always like playing like shades of herself like she's split up in all these different personalities and how like you know like how brooke is one personality francis is another her character in 20th century woman is another and how she's like it's all just shades of herself um but it's still her so that's why those characters feel it's also connected but they still feel different um and then the culmination is just ladybird right it's true it's just that's literally her it's true <laughs> it is her um i do want to say real quick uh, it, like Tracy does like say explicitly in the letter, "I'm in love with her." I'm in—I mean, not like romantically, but I'm in love with Brooke as who she is as a person. So it is—I did find it surprising of how mad Brooke got. But thinking about it more, it makes sense because a lot of this shit she does not want to know. It's one of those things where like I don't want to know. Like this is the stuff that's wrong yeah. with me. I—I can—I—I I, I can understand that. I can comprehend it, but I don't want to know it because then I will like, that just adds like a shade of self doubt into basically your entire life, which is a pretty heavy, like, and maybe I'm exaggerating, but like you learn if you, if someone gives you like a real harsh observation about yourself and you hear that you're not going to forget it. It doesn't like leave your mind. You're going to think about it for like, is maybe not like for the rest of your life, but for a good time. And you're going to try to be aware of it as much as possible. And it can be, I don't know, it, it's, uh, it can be uh, exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're kind of chasing that yeah. fantasy forever. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? This thing has the perfect, this, per- this thing has the perfect runtime, 84 minutes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's like, cr- that's like crack. Beautiful. Right there. Beautiful. 84 that's, minutes. That, it, that's, tr- <laughs> it's drugs. Honestly, what better runtime is there? Francis Ha is like around this time, maybe yeah. even shorter. Just yeah. fucking immaculate. It's yeah, I think it's like eighty on the dot. Oh, yeah, just a quick little snack to get you going. Just a snack. <laughs> um, and I mean, Meyer's story is like the full course meal. Meyerwood's story is just like it's, there's so much there. It's, I think that those both exceed two hours. Um. Um, is there anything else we want to say before we get to favorite scene? Any other observations? I mean, there's so I mean, there's just so much with 
that that la- that back half though. I mean, I feel like we're just not digging into it. I feel like no, we I mean, have. I mean, like it's not just. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we have. It's it's just there's so much. I think it's more just there's just one set piece, right? But there's a lot going on, so it's like okay, mm-hmm. maybe we need to go like minute by minute. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, we're um, already past the runtime of the movie, so. Anything else you want That's to say, true. Carrie, before um, we get to favorite scene? Uh, no, no, I think I think we've covered it. Oh, one question. What? So we gave you a list of movies, uh, or not? No, we didn't give you. Sorry, you gave us a list of movies, and we like you know picked one of them. What? What? What was made you be like? Well, Mr. America has to be on there. What was? What's that connection to? Um, that? Is it a certain time in your life? Is it? I think you know, it's... what's. What, what keeps it in I mean, mind? I think what keeps it in my mind most is the older I get, the more I have... No. Is this your favorite Bombeck? I would say Francis Ha, like, hands down. Um, but I think... Oh, that's true. You did... I think, yeah. like, the the um, connection to it is, especially, like, as I get a little bit older and, like, look back at my past self and mistakes that I've made, I realize how much i have been like tracy and i have been enthralled by friends who i thought were cooler than me um and wrote about them and thought like this is loving and great and singing their praises and talking about how cool they are and they found out like even if i like changed their names like they found out or like i i've had friends who were like don't fucking write about me like it, it just though it, it, it's um it's very interesting um like i i don't know it's it's such a weird connection um i don't know but i just i i just love it for what it is also like not even the personal connection i just i love a good modern yeah. screwball hmm. yeah there's not too many of them and i i think um i mentioned this when we did uh, Silver Lining's playbook, but it I think it has flashes of a screwball comedy sensibility, mm. but it never fully arrives there. Um, I think what what's interesting though is that it has so much of a deep love for old Hollywood comedies and the way that that language is spoken and delivered. Um. But also it has a soundtrack that came straight out of, like, Tangerine Dream and, uh, and like, Risky Business and stuff like that. Uh, Britta Phillips and uh, Dean Warheim, they really nailed it with the score, where it, it's almost sort of relaxing. Um, I, I th- you know, I, I think it said something similar with... Um, oh, God, what's... Um, who did the score for uh, Lady Bird? Oh, my God. Well... Jesus, that, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> the labor is a similar thing where um, that that score is just very quietly laid under there, but it's where it's just like, yeah, okay, you're, it's it's like setting you into the to the story very well. Sounds good. All right, yeah. who wants to go first with their favorite scene of the movie? Oh, also, it was very awkward to see Scott Rudin producer oh yeah <laughs> oh no what one of That's, many producers forgot to mention that. i didn't see that. maybe I sh- 
Should I bleep that? No, no, no. It's jeez. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he should I bleep everything I've said? Or yeah, honestly, I mean, like pretty rock star track writer, but yeah, it's uh, pretty awkward. (laughs) Like some of my like some of my favorite movies will have you know Weinstein Company pop up right before. It's like oh no. Who just published that piece that had like thirty different former assistants go on record? Vulture. Vulture. Read that. Yeah. Read. Go. Everyone, yeah. go read yeah. that. It's very. I mean, it sucks, but it's from very all good. three of us. It's, right. Yeah. It, from it, all of us, that'll be our collective shout out. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible, but it's very good. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite scene. Who wants to go first? Oh my god. Why do I even begin? I don't have. I mean, name. I guess I'll go. Do you have a favorite I mean, scene, Carrie? Because I. I feel like this scene does montages so well and like I think that's part of the reason why it comes in it's such like a really great crisp like 84 minutes like it tells so much it packs so much Mm. in 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 montages that are like actually good (laughs) because sometimes they can be bad uh I have to say I think that like montage of them first meeting and like going out on the town like is my favorite because it just the the energy of it the way it sets up both of the characters um it's like who these people are um it's such uh a display of a mastery of like economy and storytelling um it's really hard to get a montage right and this just nails it yeah absolutely I also, I'm a sucker for two conversations happening at once. I love it almost every time, if it's well written. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, that's how my mom died, and then they talk about, oh, or or not, I forget. But there's, like, these moments of just, like, they're, like, there's two separate threads of a conversation happening, and they're, like, coming back to it, like, you know, like, uh, like a ping pong ball. It's just, like, oh, let's talk about this. Oh, wait, we're talking about that. And it's just, it's so engaging. It's so well written. It's kind of like when they're going through that closet and she's talking about the idea that Mimi Claire stole from her, mm-hmm. but then she stole it to J. Crew and it's like delivered in in like a sort of a rehearsed manner. Like she's been through this um, storytelling before, oh, yeah. and it's just we've all have those uh, stories Tracy's, where we're like, "This yeah, is the spiel." It's like, okay, well, there is this guy, yeah. and then yeah, it's like Tracy was just the latest victim to have her ears. Um heard this one more time um i have my scene picked out if you have one yeah um i really got a kick out of tracy calling nicolette and tony to buy pasta like that shit's so good um so so funny the voice method yeah um there's also shells here (laughs) when nicolette thought tony and tracy were talking about sex (laughs) it's i can't so when she gets home and she starts pulling out all the pasta and she keeps going i didn't laugh but i kept saying that's really fucking funny like i said that like five times as she kept doing it over it good that's such a good guy she just keeps pulling it out like and you just after like the third one you're like there can't possibly be any more in that bag oh there's more um i just i just love in in the estate like there's so much good stuff in the estate house too like the the uh dylan keeps he like keeps getting sidetracked to find weed and just like i have good weed up there and and he gets mad at Tony. like did you touch the weed um yeah like 
when Karen is trying to, she's just sitting there and she's like, um, she's also not interested in what's happening, but very interested. She's just waiting for Harold to come pick her up. And like, there's that one moment when, um, uh, um, Brooke is mad at, she just exacerbates like Mimi Claire. Like, like she just gets really upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's lots of, this might be my favorite but I think it's also recency bias. Yeah. You know, um, like with any auteur I love, like, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson or something, like the latest one I watch is usually going to be my favorite, and I'm not upset by that. Um, but I think with Baumbach, it's actually kind of different because, like we talked about, there's such a split um, from 2010s uh, Baumbach and pre-2010s. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I um, I mean, Gerwig, I mean, Francis Ha is such a perfect movie for me. I just... I don't know. I I just realized watching this movie, I'm like, oh, Gerwig, I her writing is something I just truly adore. Like I love right, so much. Yeah. I love her writing so much. Like I can't get enough of it. Um, yeah. My favorite scene. I'm trying to think. Can't wait for Barbie. I'm trying to think one. I just feel like all of their interactions, their one on ones, are so good. Um, I do feel like the speech, where. Um, oh, you know, no, 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 no. It's when she goes to the dinner for the investors and that whole interaction of, um, Tracy boosting, um, like just telling her she's going to be great. Then she goes in and she like basically Tracy looking at her through the window and just staring at her and seeing how it goes and that, you know, like that zoom in and them just like, it's just so, it's, I just love when people are nice to each other and support each other. I love, I love when like people like genuinely like try to make each other better and also like just a lot of self or not self, but like positive self-talk or not positive. Sorry. I keep saying that, but just like trying to boost each other up, trying to tell them both like tell uh, a person that they're great and that they're going to be awesome at something. And Bottom line is, she wants to open a restaurant that also cuts hair. <laughs> I think we can all understand that. And it's going to be called Moms. It's just, I don't know. I love... It's great. I love it's friendships. Awesome. Yeah. And I love when people are nice to each other. And I love when people connect to each other and make each other better and want to basically make make the other person the most happy they can be. It's just very sweet. And that's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a sappy-ass person when it comes to this shit. So it's just like, I, I love it. <laughs> It's a bit. It's a bit like um, uh, I'm. I'm, for, I'm blanking on the filmmaker. I wish I, I wasn't. But there's a movie from 1979 called Girlfriends. Claudia Wilde. And I noticed that. God, yes, thank you, thank you. And I noticed that Greta Gerwig, I bet loves that movie because there's a lot in here that influences. Totally. The, um her work and no I feel like work I've read something about her love for that movie um and, and I think I want to say that that was like I think you might have gotten the year wrong too is it 78 oh man I'm it's 78 but I want to say <laughs> oh, damn it. I'm trying to remember like, it's a great movie what, but there was something that that there was something from like Greta Gerwig that, like was really I want I want to say it was Frances Ha that was like really influenced by girlfriends but like I can see like the influence leaking over into this too 
trying to remember like I definitely remember reading her talking about like that film and now that you bring it up I'm like oh my god yeah that makes so much sense yeah yeah totally like even even that movie's relationship to men is even similar to how it um, treats them oh, totally. in Francis Ha where it's they're kind of they're kind of like bozos <laughs> in a way it's, it's very funny um, yeah and every, everyone who I believe it's still on the Criterion channel um, that's that I'll, I'll use that as a shout out too <laughs> um, but for other shout outs I, I want to bring up again this interview that Greta Gerwig had with the Build series um, which again like I've only heard of on YouTube like I don't know if they have a website or um they branched outside of there, but they have this one moderator that I'm always excited that he's the moderator. I'm like, yes, it's this guy. Um, but no, uh, him and uh, Greta Gerwig, they get along very well. It's not like a stale conversation that a moderator and a filmmaker will have sometimes. Like, you'll see it like film in like a center. Like, I, I don't know. They don't usually choose, choose the best moderators. Um, but no, like they talk about how Greta Gerwig is always auditioning for. <laughs> Law and Order for the longest time, and she's she's never gotten Law and Order. Like it's it's very funny. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any like interviews or reviews? That you I mean, any interview up? with her, yeah. she's an insanely good interview. I always love reading her. Yeah, stuff. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think just in general, like if you just Google like Greta Gerwig interview, like you'll find something. You'll find really good ones. I don't know. I really loved her interview with the New York Times yeah. last year, talking about little women and like her point of view on like making movies for women and like making movies specifically for like her younger self there was i remember there was like a line in there something like that that um that really stuck out to me yeah i mean she's she's the best i'm I mean, I, I don't know if... I, I didn't know I could be sold more on Gerwig, but after watching this, I'm just like, oh, no, like, she's just awesome. She's just, like, yeah, an amazing yeah, yeah. person who is totally. an insanely good writer who really feels... And what's crazy is she start, You know, like, she started in a Todd Salon's movie, like, the next year or the same year, and it's like, man, like, she can work with anybody, too. Yeah. It's not like she's pigeon-held to um, her husband. Um, and she's going to have a long career, you know? It's no. not like she's done. Yeah, oh no i'm whatever she does next yeah. i'm so excited for so right excited. of course yeah everybody has um season tickets true true well carrie thank you so carrie much Morgan, for coming thank you on so much for being, having being here. this was yeah. awesome it's an absolute delight yeah, this is fun yeah of course um c- yeah. come back anytime you come want anytime. doors always open yeah. uh but for now doors always open what do you have i'm just repeating what you said yeah i know i i heard <laughs> Uh, but for it's now, weird. what do you have? What do you have to plug? Where, where can oh, people find you? Um, people can find me. I guess um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is just Carrie Corgan. Pretty boring like that. So <laughs> they don't have like a unique handle or anything funny. It's just my name. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like I've always been envious that Rebecca Bolness took Almond Milk Hotel from us. <laughs> like, oh damn it, that one's so good. <laughs> Uh, if you need the best Elaine May tweets in the game, you gotta follow Carrie. Oh yeah, yeah. Elaine May book coming oh, out God, soon. I'm still I, doing. I I'm still doing All research on it, it, so it'll it'll be a while, but yeah. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I meant. I'm looking forward to it though. I, I love. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's just having a ball being yeah. in research, like. 
No, I, no, I love like getting to uh, troll around the archives of like the New York Public Library or like talk to random octogenarians about <laughs> being in New York theater in the sixties. It's like it's I don't know. It's I think the research stage is always like the most fun part of any kind of writing project. That is true. I mean, I, I, at least for this subject, there's a good amount of um, rabbit holes you can go down. It's not like there's you're limiting yourself. Yeah, so it's yeah, like it it's such like, a great pick. It is. Is this your first book? <laughs> kind of terrifying a little bit. Oh, but, wow. That's, um, oh, man. That's so exciting. exciting. Thanks, Jack, for reminding her. Jesus. Okay, listen. We're going to end soon, and then she can yell at me after that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there any anything else you want to plug? Any articles? Any? Everyone go read Carrie's writing on Brightwall Dark Room. Thank you. We'll yeah, it's, I mean, I guess no. That that's pretty much it. Yeah. For me. Yeah. All right, Jack. Where can everyone follow you? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter, Jack A. Draper. Um, my writing on film is at the Simple Cinephile, Cineflix Daily, and Cinema Etc something I'd want to do more often, but I can't find the motivation. You're working two jobs. Jesus, come on. Give yourself a break. Well, I, we all got things to work on, but this, this movie, unfortunately is not available at many places, Mm -hmm. which is like, ah, man, I can't believe this was taken off Netflix. Had to do the iTunes. The moment we're covering it. I know. Had to spend those Um, bucks. But Netflix does have a bunch of other Noah Baumbach movies, like King and Screaming, Francis Ha, I believe, obviously his two Netflix collaborations. So um, if you checked out this one for the first time, then um, Netflix is a great archive. I think The Squid um, and the Whale's on next Criterion. Week, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, uh, I think it's on Criterion Channel. Um, or was, possibly. But yeah, it, it is on Criterion Disc. Um, next week, we have Jen Johans from Watch With Jen uh, coming on to talk... James Mangold's Night and Day. Wildly different movie. <laughs> An inspired choice. In, An inspired choice. Honestly, we love to see it. We love to Absolutely. see a wild um, choice like this. Night and Day of Tom Cruise. Some ass kicking from Cruise and Diaz. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, um, the two C's. C you. squared. Um, <laughs> everyone. Uh, the two C's? Oh, wait, no. Cruise and Cameron. I, for some reason, thought. Okay, <laughs> it's, C, oh, it's CD. Oh. CD. We're, no, it's CD. Okay. Yeah. Hey, DC. Oh, all right, all right, all right. We're going. Yeah, we have we something. Okay, we got somewhere. Um, everyone can follow me at it's Birds cooking. of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me at on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. Um, you could follow the podcast account at ETT Pod on Twitter. You can send us an email at exitingthroughthe2010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe on any podcast platform you're listening us on to. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail on Anchor. Um, and I think that is it thank you all so much uh for listening um stay safe wear a mask get vaccinated do what you gotta do be good to yourself and as always trans rights are human rights stop asian hate free palestine black lives matter justice for tante Wright, justice for adam toledo and justice for makia bryant and we'll catch you all next time on exiting through the 2010s